you for the people who are here today. And Lord, I just bless them from the top of their heads to the sole of their feet. And Lord, I just ask that you would just minister your grace and your mercy to each and every one of us. And we just thank you, Father. We love you so much and we bless you. Now, Father, I ask that you break open the bread of life for your people here today. And, Lord, I ask that you speak to us from heaven so that we can be healed and we can understand what it is that you want us to do, which way we're going. And we thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is uh, pursuing the purpose of God. You know, God has a purpose for everybody's life, mine, yours. He has purpose in everything that he sets forth. And he wants us to pursue his plans and not our own. Sometimes it gets confusing. Do you agree? That, you know, you can get confused as to what you're supposed to be doing. And sometimes that which is God, sometimes it seems like it's not. And the things that we think is God, sometimes we find out it ain't. Amen. But, you know, this, the Bible says if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we shall be filled. And so what we have to do is continue to hunger and thirst after God and the things of God. And to be the thing about finding purpose is to stay submitted to God. Amen. Stay humble under his hand. And he, and then we will find the way. It's it's easy when we're walking in humility towards the things of God. But as individuals, we have a tendency to not really go after the things of God. The things that we really need from God, sometimes we have a, a tendency not to go after those things. Reason being, sometimes those things don't seem like it's the right thing. You, you ever been in that position where the thing that's God seems like it ain't? And the thing that's not God, it seems real bad, like that's what I ought to do. I, so I'm going to follow after that because I feel like that's what God wants me to do. And we come to find out after a long deliberation that's not God. Amen. And so this is, I believe, why God deals with us the way he does because purpose will always keep us on the right track even though it feels, and I'm saying feel with feeling, it feels like that's not God. So purpose sometimes feels like it's not God. Because it's kind of foreign to us. We don't get a real comfy, cushy feeling <laughs> when we're dealing with purpose. Because purpose leads us and guides us into uncharted waters, so to speak. It always goes against the grain of what we want to do, but it's what we need to do. Is that making sense? And so we'll say, no, that must not be God because it don't feel right or it don't look like God. But, you know, God eventually will have his way if we surrender to him and just pick up what he wants us to do. And after we get our feet wet, sometimes we find out, find out it's God. Not like that all the time, but most of the time, you know, this is purpose is, doesn't feel good. I'll put it like that. But usually... It's God. Amen. What God has for us sometimes we don't want because it's new and it doesn't feel right. It's sometimes scary. And so it's kind of like going in uncharted waters and we want to back and go the other way. Amen. It's just like, uh, what's his name, Jonah. 
he he won't got on the boat going the opposite direction because it didn't feel right it brought fear into his life it brought an uncomfortable feeling he didn't like that so he went the other way <laughs> and see this is the thing about purpose you're gonna wind up there anyway he wound up there anyway and it, and it, and I'm sure Jonah said, "Is this all that I was afraid of?" It? I, you know. And then he got mad because God forgave the people. <laughs> but see, it's like this: if he hadn't put up such a fight against the message and just deliver it, he wouldn't have gone so, through so much. He wouldn't have felt so angry. <laughs> you know, God's gonna kill you, and he wanted to see the great wrath of God. Amen. But it was because he put up such a fight that he didn't feel comfortable with purpose. But this was, this is what he needed to do. So most of us, because of fear of the unknown, like Jonah, will not put forth the effort to go after purpose. Now, purpose, part of purpose is the promises of God. That's our purpose. Bless you. That's our purpose, the promises of God. And sometimes they seem so unattainable. Like, you know, am I ever going to get to that place? Or is this really for me? And a lot of us feel like, um, you know, the promises of God. Now, the Bible says there are yes and amen through Christ Jesus. But don't those promises seem so hard to get to? They seem unattainable. And it's because our promises are connected to purpose. And purpose sometimes is hard to to get in that right place. Amen. Hallelujah. So I think it's the fear of the unknown. But we have to go after purpose. We have to go after the promises of God no matter how we feel. And it's a trust issue. We have to trust God and purpose to move forward. See, sometimes when we are afraid to go forward, it's because we're trying to dodge purpose. The purpose of God, the purpose for our life, because it doesn't feel like a, it's not a familiar place and it doesn't feel right. But we don't live by feelings. The just shall live by faith. Now, what is purpose? Pur- purpose is intent. It's the plans. It's, it's a plan or an accomplishment or an end, you know, an expected end. That's purpose. It's intention and aim. It's also design, effect. It's consequence, predetermination, and expected and expected end. So all of these things mean purpose, and sometimes they seem hard to get to. You know, God's intended plan. I'm just saying that from God's accomplishment for our end, or God's intention. God's design for our life. All these things are purpose. And God, we have to seek God's will to find our purpose for our lives. It's a trust issue. It's an obedience factor. So according to the Bible, our purpose is the reason we are here. Ouch. The reason we're here is really our, and see, it's like this. We go out of our way to dodge God's purpose, and that's the reason you are here. That's the reason we're here is our purpose. Because every person that's born, God has a reason why he had you here. That's why he, he planned your life when you were in the womb, before you were even in the womb of your mother. 
and he had a plan and a purpose for our life because of purpose and so god has a purpose for all of us and it seems like the main purpose is the thing that we dodge it's just like when i didn't know i was called to preach never desired never ever desired but I noticed as I look back on my life, a lot of things that happened to me was aiming right at my call because that was my purpose on earth. And I see how the devil tried to stop it. I know Pastor Barb talks a lot about how many times she was almost killed where I was too. And I'm thinking every time she tells the story, I say, hey. I was locked in the fridge too. I was drowned about four or five times. devil was always trying to snuff me out. I got overcome by gas twice. The devil was always trying to snuff me all out because of purpose when I was a little girl. I was always being fished out that pool because, you know, the devil likes to stop purpose. And we kind of help him out because we don't understand purpose and we're afraid, you know. But I was almost stuffed, snuffed out a lot of times because of purpose. And so this is why it's so important. Purpose is more important than we could ever imagine. I remember when we was, I was at a lady's house babysitting her kids. She lived in the, right next door to us. And her, we had these space heaters back in the day. And, and some kind of way the devil blew the flame out and there was the gas and I'm laying there and I was overcome by gas and all I remember is them taking me out and it happened twice twice to me and it's and you know you try to snuff me out every time I turned around and so this is just how important see you can take a look at what the devil tries to do to you and figure out how important your purpose is man but see we try to run from it because we get scared because it don't feel right to us but anything that's unknown is not going to feel right. But when we get a certain age in, in Christ, we should run towards our purpose. Amen. Because our purpose is why we are here. We're not here to just consume air. We are here because God has a specific work for us to do. Everybody. Amen. If you are born again, you and even those who are not. You know, they still have to find their purpose. And if we obey God and trust him, we will run right into. And, only, and the way to do it, the easy way is submit. Jonah didn't submit. He ran. And we ran, rerun because purpose doesn't feel comfortable. But, you know, if we just trust God, and the more we understand about purpose, the less we'll run and the more we'll give in to it. Because our purpose is important on this earth. See, there's a work that only I can do on this earth. Can't nobody else do it but me. Same with you. There's a purpose that you have on this. You're the only one can do it. You're the only one. Nobody else can do it. It has your name on it. And so we have to run into our purpose. But we, our first natural thing is to run from it because the devil does not want us to run into our purpose. So according to the Bible, our purpose is the reason that we're here. It's for God's glory. In other words, our purpose is to praise God, worship him, proclaim his kingdom, proclaim his greatness, and to accomplish his will. And this is what purpose is for you and for me to accomplish his will 
And see, that's why sometimes when you know God has called you to do a specific thing, don't try to push it off on somebody else because this may be a stepping stone into your purpose. Something simple. You understand what I'm saying? And so we need to just trust God with our purpose because it's very important. Our purpose is the will of God. His will is the perp is our purpose. Amen. So so we were created by him according to his desire and our lives are to be lived for him because they because of that specific work that we have to do for him. Nobody else can do it but us. And so we might accomplish what he has for us to do. It's the only way we can accomplish what. But see, God wants to get our full attention, and he wants us to give him our full trust so that we can find our purpose on this earth. We should trust the one who made us, but for some reason we don't. Now, this is the thing that got me. We were made by divine design for purpose for our purpose so it's like this this is what i was sitting up there thinking we were already made to fulfill our purpose our purpose is already going to be fulfilled because that's what how he made he made you the way you are to fulfill your purpose we already it's already mapped out so i can't miss my purpose because i'm made to fit it but we run from it and don't trust it scared of it when we don't understand that you're going to fit your purpose because you already got the goods. God already trusts you with your purpose. He just wants you to step into it. And that's something. But that's the thing we're afraid of because we don't quite understand purpose. But you can't miss it. Only you can do what you do. Amen. You know, and I'm not talking about the everyday stuff because I know I ain't going to your job for you. I'm scared of them people. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, your godly purpose. You can only do that. But God's already equipped you to do it. See what I'm saying? He's equipped me. But see, it's kind of like I'm like, oh, so this is what I'm finally supposed to do. I knew it was in me all along. I just wasn't paying attention because I was running from it. I didn't want, because if, if that road looked too, it looked too hard. <laughs> I don't want that road. I want to do something else. But we are already, we are already honed, I should say, and it's already cut out for us. In other words, purpose is about the most, the easiest thing. But yet it's the hardest thing. Because, see, when God, think about it, when God called Jonah, all he wanted him to do is just go tell them how you feel. He's already mad at them. And he had it in him to go tell them people, oh, God knew that. That's why he said, you go. But he went the other way. So he, it was easy for him to fulfill his purpose because it was in him already. And so purpose is already on the inside of us. And nobody can do that but us. But we feel like we're the last person that can fulfill purpose. But we're the only per- person. Because, see, God used all that anger. He used all that anger and that stuff inside of Jonah. He knew Jonah didn't like them sinners. I don't, you know, because he felt up here and he thought they was down. He was just a man. But you see how purpose is. 
only we can do it. God has purpose for each and every one of us. So we should trust the one who made us. And he made us by divine design, no mistakes. So let's go. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Let's go to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Purpose is not so scary after all. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Isaiah 43, verse 7. It says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. You see, we were created for his glory. No other reason but for his glory. So he says, uh, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. So there's no doubt about that, that God made us. And that God formed us. He created us for his glory. See, we weren't created to have six or seven kids and raise them up and send them all to college. That's just part of it. That's our natural, you know, side of life. But our, our, um, what can I call that? Our godly purpose, I can't think of no more is to do what he is to live for God's glory yeah, to do yeah. what he has cuz see although he allows us to have children and get married and do certain things there's still you have a purpose for God for being here and you have to you can't overlook that amen y'all see what i'm saying and it's not living a double life but it's that that god is inserting i'm going to say his purpose into our life and allowing us to have what we want you know we desire husbands we desire children not everybody but most people they desire a mate you know they desire some people desire to go to college some people desire to, to, you know, have a good job, or some people even desire to go abroad. You know, that's never been one of my desires, but I know a lot of people that want to, at some time, experience living abroad. So God will allow that, but that doesn't stop your purpose, you know. So God will still allow that, but it says here in Isaiah 43, 7, we, are, we were created for his glory. Amen. He formed us. He made us. So we will never find our God purpose in life if we're not willing to press forward. Sometimes we can get at a standstill and don't know which way to go because uncharted territory feels funny. And we don't want to move because we got a sneaking suspicion that we're not going to like where God is going to take us. <laughs> so see, this is why we avoid purpose because we know it's going to be more give than take. And it's scary and we don't understand it sometimes and we just don't want to go. And so this is one thing that I believe God told me about finding your purpose. Change our attitude and put on a new attitude. And I was trying to say, well, okay, God, then what is that? And what I kept hearing was expectancy. If we put on a new attitude of expectancy, y'all hearing me? And stop mourning what was lost <laughs> see come out of mourning because see you ever felt like i should have done this 
in my young life. I know sometimes I say, I should have done this. Or why did I do this? Y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> see, they ain't get that on it. But you know what I'm saying. You hear regrets. Why am I doing this? Why did I do that? Why didn't I do this? Sometimes I say to myself, I should have went back to school. I mean, I say that to myself. I should have stayed in there. You know, went back twice, didn't stay. And so I sometimes look back and that thought crossed my mind. And I know that's the devil trying to make me feel inadequate. And so what I do is I kick it out and say I was born with a purpose. I will not miss my purpose. Amen. That's right. Because all that's good, but maybe it just wasn't for me. Or maybe I missed it. But whatever, I will not miss my godly purpose. And so there's no regrets. Amen. Because God is still working with me. And he, he makes me who I am anyway, not a piece of paper. It's good to have. And I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't wish I didn't stay. But what I am saying is I still have that spirit of expectancy on the inside of me to become whatever God wants me to be. It's not too late. Amen. And see, that spirit of it, that attitude of expectancy, that's what calls you into your purpose. That keeps you from missing your purpose. But what will cause you to miss your purpose is mourning. Mourning what was lost. Mourning what the devil did to you. Mourning what's behind you. Amen. I missed my harvest. I did, you know, all this mourning, and mourning will cause you to miss your purpose. Regret, mourning, regret. That's what, re, that's what mourning is, regretting. I should have done this. Maybe I should have done something different. Maybe I should not have done this or that. And that's called mourning. So don't mourn for what's been stolen. You know, sometimes the devil can steal. He stole from me big time. And the Lord said, don't even, don't even mourn what was stolen by the enemy. God said, don't waste your time. You know, there's a period of mourning. And after you've passed that period of mourning, don't go back. You know, what they did to you on that job, that's mourning. You move on. You can't move into the newness of life if you're in mourning. Amen. So that's the victim mentality after a while. Stop um, mourning what's been stolen by the devil. Now, this is what I I found in the book of Job. Job went through a nine-month period of mourning because of what was lost, and the devil robbed him big time. Amen. He was distraught. He got sick. And he even sat down among the ashes. Remember when he was scraping those boils and he was just angry. And he was reflecting on what he used to have and what he had right then. And so there is a period of mourning that we all go through. But you, when God say let it go, you can tell when he's saying let it go. And, and he says let it go. And in some kind of way we don't want to shift 
and we find it hard to shift because we are still angry and see job the devil even sent people into job's life his so-called religious friends to taunt him about his situation because they were saying you supposed to be god's man why are you in that situation ever been there i have and amen and so god is saying let it go because you can't experience the new without going letting the old go and you know another thing that struck me strange when it said job went through a nine month period a baby nine months it was time for him to give birth to something new and god but see he was arguing the devil sent distraction you gotta look out for these kind of things and know when the devil is sending distraction and sending things in there to keep you from birthing something new and so his nine months was up his you know i don't know if that's called an incubation period what what do they call that nine month period when a woman carry a baby yeah just that gestation period was over and he was about to bring forth and this is why the devil sent them religious people saying you're a christian you make god's man why you why you in that situation see all of these things to cause him to halt so that he wouldn't bring forth what god had for him amen so we need to stop mourning you know what was stolen yeah the devil stole your job yeah the devil stole your wife or husband yeah the devil did that but but give birth to what god has coming for you amen and this is what what i believe last week when god was saying to me don't get bitter in the process don't be bitter in the process see that's what'll make you bitter is thinking about where you should be and then looking at where you are now but it's like this it is not too late for you to give birth to a new life god still he's putting life inside of you we still until we hit the grave we carry life amen and god is doing he is still working miracles through his people and it's like this god this is all we have go to chuck go to chuck and so (laughs) that's her other friend miss nola not here amen and so it says (laughs) so it's not never too late to be restored amen amen praise god so you know what will hold us back is looking at what we had it ain't like that no more amen and 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 i'm gonna tell you something this is what i believe god don't want that he want to give you better he want to give you better and sometimes you have to reach a low before god gets our full attention so that he can pile on the real good stuff it's called restoration amen so don't get bitter in the process amen so when when job prayed he you know this is what i believe the lord was showing me he looked forward to the future instead of looking in that rearview window he started to look forward because he was tired of being burdened with because that's burdensome to be 
keep thinking, going over things in your mind, rehearsing it, wondering what should I have done? Should I have done something different? And then, you know, the, the devil puts in that condemnation, and then you don't know how to deal with that, and you just get sick of the whole thing. And so I believe God is saying in this hour, we must, we are pregnant with expectancy. We are pregnant with expectancy. And the only way we're going to receive that which God has for us is that we stop the morning and give birth. Give birth to what's new. God wants to help us to give birth to what's new. So how do we do it? With submission. Humility. This is how we give birth to something new. Picking up God's burden. You know, dropping what we want and starting to look forward to what God has. Not allowing ourselves to go back into that pit, being bitter in the process. Amen. Hallelujah. Job lost everything. Every his children. He, he didn't lose. The only thing he kept was his nagging hag of a wife. And he wanted to lose her like, and that's all he was able to keep. Amen. But God came in and with restoration and restored everything, and he got double for his trouble. Amen. Hallelujah. When he prayed, when he prayed, that was saying he looked forward instead of in that rearview window, and he was restored. Amen. He received beauty for ashes and double for what he had lost. Amen. Y'all better stop that plan over there. Amen. So don't, don't make a season of mourning or a lifetime of mourning. Because the devil is defeated and the best is yet to come. Amen. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. So let's go to Isaiah 61. Let's flip over, or in your instance, some of you click over (laughs) to Isaiah 61. Verse 7. Hallelujah. Wait just a second. So Isaiah 61, verse 7, it says, And in their glory you shall boast. Did I get that right scripture? Okay. Instead of, I'm sorry, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Amen. In other words, double for your trouble. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Amen. Hallelujah. And so God is saying this. He is saying that he will give you double for your trouble. Whatever. He, that's what Job. Job got double for everything that he lost. It was restored back to him. Double. Amen. And this is what he does. This is the plan of God. The plan and the purpose of God is for you to run right smack dab into what you lost. What the devil has stolen. See, that's all in the purpose. 
And see, sometimes we're trying to get the blessing without running into the purpose because we think the purpose is going to kill us. But see, I'm telling you that the purpose, our purpose, consists of promises. It's It's all because it's God's plan. It's not ours. It's God's plan. And so we need to just relax and allow God to do what he's doing and give us double for your trouble. This is verse 8. For I, the Lord, love justice. See, God don't like it when the devil steals from his people. He don't like that. He don't even like it when we mess. See, when we mess our lives up ourselves, this is the thing. The devil gets people like this. Well, you did it. See what you did, and you shouldn't have done that. But see, it's like this. When you follow purpose anyway, you're going to run right into what you did. God is going to reduce that down to zero. You know what I'm saying? Just like a fraction. Two-fourths equal one-half. So it doesn't matter whether you cause the mess up. It doesn't matter because God is going to fix that too because it's all rolled in. Restoration is rolled into your purpose. And God is going to bless you. I don't care how much. As long as you don't deny him, you got double coming for your trouble, even if you made trouble for yourself. And most of us did. (laughs) Amen. Now, see, I noticed nobody clapped because people don't believe that. But I'm telling you, see, because you got to get rid of the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation. Romans 8. To those who walk after the spirit, if you keep walking after the flesh, you're going to keep running into what you did wrong. But if you if you follow after the spirit of God, you'll run into not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. Amen. Not guilty, not guilty. See, that's what you run into. When you follow the spirit of God. But when you follow after the flesh, you're going to keep, the devil's going to keep running that down to you till he break you. What you did wrong. Then he's going to have you write a book about it. Wrote a book about it. Then write a song about it. Here it go. You understand? <laughs> and, see, and he never wants you to forget or forgive yourself for messing up. When you follow God's purpose, it doesn't matter. He'll fix what you screw up because you know why? I look at it like this. He has to because he made me. He made this mess up. He's going to fix this mess up. And he's going to even fix up what I messed up. This is just how he does. Let's see, it's quiet because people don't receive that. Need to receive it because it seems, this is what it is. It seems unfair that God would lift the guilt You've been purchased with a price. That See, your mess up, God, is paid for. Jesus paid for that. He knew you was going to do it when he took responsibility. Because God, didn't we read in Isaiah 43, he made us, he formed us. So he knew we was going to mess up, and he was ready. He said, look at him. Look, there they go. Look, there they go. But he was ready for that. He's made provision for that, thank God. Amen. It's just the way it is. See, people want to grace grace themselves to death because they feel like grace erases the wrong. Grace don't erase the wrong. It just grace gives you it enables you to keep it right. Amen. That's what grace does. 
But God knew we were going to mess it up anyway. So mercy comes in. You'll never hear nothing about mercy. I know I need it and you need it too. We need mercy. But see, the devil's got that stuff screwed up. Because, honey, mercy comes in and it just, it just, amen. Jesus said, hey, I paid for that already. All you got to do is lawyer up. And, and Jesus said, I paid for that. Oh, I knew you was going to do that. I saw you when you did. <laughs> I, I took care of that. Debt paid. Paid in full. And, and all we need to do is receive it. But it's hard because most people think carnally. And that's why God wants us to change our thinking. Stop the mourning process. It's part of the mourning process. Because we feel somehow that we have to pay for what we did wrong. Well, if you trust in God, the wrong has been paid. Amen? The wrong has been paid. Now, there's two kind of ways to look at this. I might as well say this. Like a thief, like how I got away with it, or like debt paid, I'm cleared, because Jesus loved me. So you take, you take the debt cleared, you lawyer up, because Jesus is your advocate. He paid. God, I thank you for sending your son to that cross. He paid for every wrong thing that I could ever do, every wrong thing that I think about doing. He paid for me messing up. I know I messed up, and I'm staying humble before you, Lord God, and I want to do what you tell me to do because I know I messed up. And, honey, and you know what, God? He stamps a debt cancel. Debt cancel. Amen. You got to believe that. And is the devil going to bring back this guilt? Yeah. But you tell him, oh, I mourn for that already. I'm not going back into that. My mourning process is, my mourning process is over. And I'm not going back into that. You know, I, I've done my nine months. I'm about to give birth to something new. And you just have to tell him. Devil very hard. And I'm telling you something. He hate Christians. He hate believers. Because a lot of people say they're Christian. But you know what I'm saying? He hates true believers. And he'll come back with that guilt. He'll, and he'll even use people to say stuff. Look at what Job's wife said. You just might as well, what did she say? Die. Curse God and die. He ain't your friend. Look at what, he, see, look at what he, he's allowing you to go through. And see, she jumped on the religious bandwagon and wanted to slay him like his friends. And so you got to jump right out there and say, oh, no, I'm not picking that up again. I'm delivered. I'm set free. Even though on the inside you feel like going back over into shame and hurt in the mourning process, but you already done buried that thing. So don't go back because God is full of restoration and power. Amen. So just receive your beauty for ashes and your double portion for everything that you've done wrong. Just repent and stay with God. Don't make a season. This is what the Lord told me. Don't make a season out of mourning. Amen. Don't make a life. That, wait a minute. That's wrong. Yeah. Don't make. This is what. Don't make a lifetime out of mourning. Because it's only last a season. That's what it is. So. Deli- 
being pregnant is a season. Just like mourning. When you give forth, don't go back to that. So don't make, don't make it a lifetime. Amen. It's kind of like what Jesse Duplantis said God told him about, what was that? Uh, trials and tr- yeah, but what was it saying? Yeah, but what was what was he talking about? I couldn't remember that part. Trials and tribulation. Or what? They, they don't really say it's, it. Use another word. Y'all can't think. Light afflictions. That's right. See, the, see, we make the light afflictions a, a lifetime, and we do mourning like that. He said. Daylight has come. Your incubation, your pregnancy period is over. He says, so give birth to something new and don't make it a lifetime. Just let it be for a season. <laughs> and that's what it is. So it's the light afflictions. You know, they're, they're only, we make them a lifetime, but it's only for a season. So the devil is defeated and the best is ahead of us. Amen. We will receive our expected end. Even though, yeah, we mess up. You got to be godly enough to forgive yourself. Amen. Now, unless your heart ain't right, because I'm going to tell you something. If your heart ain't right, you start just want to live out of it. And the devil's going to bring it back up. He's going to do that. That's his job. And so if we refute this and work against that, and we're, we, uh, how can I put this? dead set on ending that season of a mourning we will come out of it but sometimes if our heart's not quite right it'll we'll start to live out of it again and you know what you let me tell you the easy thing to that take responsibility for it Amen. see taking responsibility for it and wearing it every day that's two different things god don't want that Amen. Amen. But taking responsibility is really in your heart saying, you know what, God, I know where I messed up. I know how I messed up. And then let me tell you, when it's, out of, when it's coming from your heart, you change and you start to do better. You fix it, you know, as far as we can. God has a part to play in fixing it, but we do too. The first step is ours. If you really take responsibility and you don't like and you taking responsibility for your part in it you change and if you don't then you know you ask god to help me father help me because i keep trying to let this go and i keep walking right back into this thing and so i'm asking you to lift this off of me you got to do some work with god but it works and and you'll get there if you keep trying You'll get there. And then if somebody tried to throw it up in your face, uh-uh, you won't. Uh-uh, I'm not taking that. I'm not receiving that. Uh, I'm not receiving that because I'm not guilty. I am not guilty. I've been exonerated. And that debt's been canceled. And I'm, going, I'm walking free. I'm out of my mourning. And I'm not going to get bitter. I'm no longer will I be bitter in the process. Amen. Hallelujah. According to Jeremiah 29:11, God has an expected end for me and for you, a future and a hope. And you have to tell the devil, look, I will receive my expected end, and I will get double for this trouble that you have caused me. And because of expectation, 
and being pregnant with uh, a, a new, new, what did I say? It was new, looking forward to new things, you know, and, and new birth, new life coming out of us, you know, because of God's call on my life and his, his, his purpose for my life. I'm not going back. I'm going to walk. I'm not going to look in that rearview mirror. I'm going to look straight ahead and go forward in God. Amen. Because he has better for me. Amen. So you have to stay. You have to stay with it. Because if you don't, the devil will keep bringing that back and keep bringing that back. Well, and then he'll start saying, see, that's what they was talking about, about you. Don't always say that. Hey, you know how liberating it is to tell them you don't care. And really mean it. I could care less. Amen. Who cares what they are saying? I don't care. Because I got too much, many other things going on in my life. And it's not because I'm being arrogant. But it's because I have repented. Because I'm birthing something new. I'm following God's purpose for my life. And I don't have time for that foolishness. Are y'all here today? So we need to go after the promises of God and trust him with our lives and press forward. It takes effort, but it gets easier and easier. Amen. Stop the mourning process. Amen. Seek and follow after God's plan. I think I said that. You know, remember in, in uh, 1 Samuel, let's go there. 1 Samuel 16 where uh, Samuel... Um, he mourned after Saul. Remember that? Or was it the other way around? Yeah. Samuel mourned after Saul too long. And God said, how long are you going to mourn for him? You know, this man had tried to kill you. He had left you out in the wilderness. He had done all of these things. And you still mourning him. See, he was mourning him because he was a God's man. Amen. Let's see. First Samuel 16, verse 1. And it says, now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from regaining, or I'm sorry, from reigning over Israel. In other words, I kicked him out. Leave him alone. Amen. Sometimes you just got to do that. Hallelujah. (laughs) He's out and another man is in. It says, fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethalamite. The Bethalamite. It says, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? Saul, listen, back to Saul. Saul hears me. He will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you. And say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one that I name. So, so Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming. Now see, he got the anointing all over him. But there's always some big old devil that's going to make you feel like this. And that's Saul, some big devil that's jealous of you, and you're trying to respect him, and you're trying to obey God, but it's clouding your hearing, and that 
fog, that demonic fog comes over you and you get confused because you're following after the wrong thing. God was done with him. So you have to be sure that you stay close to God so you don't do a Samuel thing. Amen. Hallelujah. So as you know the end of the story, I would like to read a little bit more. Where am I at? Okay. And it says, So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peacefully? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And it says, Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was then he came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, His physical stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees. Y'all hearing that? The Lord does not see as man sees. So man looks at the outer appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Hallelujah. Don't ever, don't ever worry that you don't look the bill. You don't look and other people don't see the strength and the power that God has put on you. Don't fall for that. They see it and they fear it. They just pretend like they don't. Because if, if the devil can, can convince you that you don't have power, and if he can convince you that you ain't the one, and if he can convince you that you're weak, he's going to do it. Or he'll get somebody to work for him to try to pull from you what God has placed in you. Are y'all here? Don't fall for it. Amen. It's been done over and over. And the devil's still trying that. And people who don't have power or who don't have, they operate in the false gifts, they're going to hate you because you got the real goods. And so you have to trust God. And you got to get smart. And you got to stay with God so you'll know that you can shoot the arrow and shoot the target. Amen. Because God will give you, he's put the power on his people. But you got to know it's there. Because I'm telling you, people will test you and try to make you think that you are less than what you are. Change your friends. Amen. Quit telling people your business. I've learned that that works. Amen. For I have provided a king. Amen. Don't make me read the whole thing. Amen. So we need to make some decisions in our lives to follow purpose, to follow after and not follow after fleshly desires. If you get confused about what your purpose is, stay out of the fleshly desires. When you find yourself over there, which you're going to go, pull yourself back and say, nope, I'm going to purpose to follow God. And staying humble and staying submitted to God will keep you from making mistakes amen so god's purpose is his will for our lives and we can judge his will but we need to embrace it see we always want to hmm why is god doing that and just like what's his name uh i talked about him earlier jonah 
he 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 judged God's will. Well, why do I have to do that? Why do I have to go there? Why you know picking that apart? But what we so easily allow is that we allow uh, ourselves to judge faithfully what's fleshly, and we embrace what's fleshly because it feels good, and it it serves a soulish. Uh, what can, what a, it serves a soulish um, purpose, yeah. It, it serves a soulish purpose in our lives. And it feels comfortable. And we like that because we're familiar with it. But, but the unfamiliar, we reject it because we're not sure about where it's coming from. Amen? But the soulish realm feels comfortable the spirit realm feels foreign but this is the season of you know amos 9 13 and accelerated favor but this is the season where we need to get comfortable in what we don't know get comfortable in the uncommon because this is the way god is coming he's working in the uncommon situations because it's like this when are you able ever going to trust me with what i am doing so it's you're gonna have to operate in the uncommon whether you like it or not because this is the only way god is going to come it's not coming in the common not coming in the way for us to feel comfortable he's coming in in new ways behold i do a new thing when are we ever going to see these scriptures come to life they are here so we might as well embrace amen embrace the uncommon Amen. Embrace what God is doing, whether we feel comfortable or not. See, your mind will tell you that's not God because it didn't do this. He ain't coming that way no more. If you don't get nothing else, get this. He is not coming the way he used to come. Behold, I do a new thing. See, if we receive Amos 9.13 and we receive all these other scriptures, we we, we have to receive... In, I think it's in Isaiah 54. Behold, I do a new thing. We got to embrace that. We got to take the whole gospel. And so things may not feel uh, comfortable, but that's not how you tell if it's God or not. How you tell whether it's God or not is staying in his face. Developing a, a closer relationship. And allowing him to restore intimacy so that you'll know. Amen. You'll know. This is like certain things you know. Like certain things I know, Pat. I know she wouldn't do. I don't know all her personal business, but I just know who she is. And there's certain things I know she wouldn't do because I know who she is. And see, this is how we ought to look at everything that God is doing. You got to know. You have to know. And the way you know is embracing what God is doing, staying close to him. So you can say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm staying on this road because that road don't feel right. It feels too good and I'm too tempted. I ain't going there. You understand what I'm saying? And so you are tempted to believe the wrong thing, but you say, I'm not going to do it because that's not who she is. That's what you do. Amen. That didn't go over well, but you... You need to embrace that. I would hope you do me like that. When somebody starts talking some kind of crap, telling you it's like that ain't who she is. 
I've never experienced that with her. That's not who she is. I don't believe that. And it's just certain things you know. Amen. And you, you kick out the negativity. And you don't allow the mourning to continue because God is doing a new thing. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians 1. I'm almost finished. Getting hot in here now. It's either too hot or too cold. The devil's a liar. Always messing with the heat up in here. I know it's you, devil. But we're going to keep marching. Amen. Amen. We're going to keep moving toward God. And we will prevail. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1, verse 11. Turn it down just a tiny bit, Tony. If it will go down. Ephesians 1, 11, it says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Should I read that again? In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of his will. According to the purpose of him. See, we've been predestined. God has already called us to do what, what we're scared to do. It's like this. He, when he formed us and he made us, he made us to do what we think we can't do. He's formed us or predestined us to go into that territory that we think we can't go. Because we think the devil won't, we think those doors are locked because of how they look. We don't think that we want those doors because of how we feel. But we're predestined to go through them. Amen. And we have already been uh, chosen to conquer and prevail. God wouldn't have, create a door for you if he didn't. Um, already fix it where you've already got authority and power in that area. But you can't look at how it looks because when, who was we just, who was we just reading about uh, uh, in that last scripture? Who were we? Samuel. He didn't want to go to, he didn't want to go and present himself to Jesse's sons because he he already thought he knew what God was looking for. You understand what I'm saying? Yet, yet and still God pointed him to go through them doors. When he got to the doors, he thought he would make a right decision because God sent him. Because he didn't stay close to God with his listening ear. So he thought he knew what God was looking for, but he didn't. So it's always going to feel scary going through new doors, especially new doors of opportunity. You think you already know what you want, but God may want you somewhere some, for something else. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but y'all get it. So he thought, and then when he said, he looked at the outer appearance, he said, that ain't what God wants. And God says, you look at the outer, but I'm looking at the heart. So I want that little short one, you know, (laughs) whatever, you know. 
and he thought god was looking for something else yet god opened them doors for him to go through so in other words i'm trying to say this it's not always gonna feel easy not always gonna look easy it's gonna sometimes look unattainable but we have to look at things the way god sees them he sees no problem Because once you go through those doors, you'll get where God wants you to be. Amen? Hallelujah. So, oh, let me go back to Ephesians 1 and finish that. Verse 11. So, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined. See, when you're predestined, God God already knows. I made you for this situation. It's going to work. You're the only key to that door. And you will get the job done because this is your inheritance. This is being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. In other words, God works things according to his desire, according to his secrets, his secret will. So he don't have to tell us nothing because sometimes he can't. Y'all hear? Verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. So, in a, again, we're, we're on this earth for his glory, not our own. Amen. Verse 13, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee, or should I say the guarantee of our inheritance. Amen. So see, God has given us a guarantee of our inheritance. So I don't care how many times you get a ticket to Tarshish. Is that where you went? You still going to wind up where you're supposed to be in Nineveh. Thank you. That's what, that, that's what I just read in verse 13. <laughs> Amen. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. Amen. So we don't decide what we are. We discover who we are. (laughs) See, that's, that's what I just read. We don't decide who we are. We don't decide where we move. We don't decide what we're going to do. We discover that on the road to where God is taking us. We don't decide those things. Amen? We don't. A lot of people go and do what they're going to do, but they still wind up in Tar- in, where? in Nineveh. Get, go to Tarshish. And this is the thing, he spent money on the ticket, it wasn't a free ride, cost him something. See, it's going to cost you to disobey God. Amen? It's going to cost you. But you know what, all you got to do is give in to his will and you get right back on the, the, the gospel ship and sail where God wants you to be. There's a purpose in all things. So we are discovering as we obey and as we go, we discover who we are. We don't decide who we are because of purpose, because of God's purpose. Amen. He has purpose in all things. And there's purpose in trials, failures. There's purpose in them failures. Don't count them failures as I wasted time. There was a purpose in that. 
Because although God didn't take you there, sometimes maybe. I know he allowed Job to screw up and and go where he went. But I'm telling you, he will, the Bible says he will cause things to work together for your good. That means even if you cause to screw up, he'll still get you on that ship to where we go Nineveh. <laughs> Y'all know I'm not going to remember too good. So he'll get you on the right boat That's so that you can glorify him. All you got to do is stay humble. Arrogant people stay confused. They stay confused. All the time, confused. Because they don't understand that they're fighting against the will of God. Just to be peaceful is a fight. And you can fight against being peaceful. Amen? Trying to know everything. Just humble yourself and relax. And just cash your ticket on the right boat. Amen? Going in the right direction. Going towards your purpose. Amen. So failures and trials can, and hardships can work together for your good. Just like dreams and hopes and visions work together for your good. It all can work together for your good. So don't get bitter in the process. Amen. Hallelujah. Prophetic little thing. That's a prophetic praise. Don't get bitter in the process. But the ultimate reason we're here is to glorify God. And to do his will. That's number one. By accepting and embracing his plan and purpose for our lives and not our own. Amen. Hallelujah. Because God will allow that. But still you have to get back on the right road, the right plan. And humility will get you there every time. Because wisdom is the principal thing. Now let me tell you what I believe wisdom is. The ability to discern. Wisdom is the principal thing. Why? Because wisdom is the ability to discern. (laughs) Amen. (sighs) Discern what? Discern differences. That sounds strange. It is. Wisdom is the ability to discern differences. The difference in right and wrong. The difference in good and bad. The difference in good and evil, the devil and God. See, wisdom is the ability to discern differences. Differences. Amen. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. You discern God's plan and purpose versus your own. See, wisdom is the ability to discern differences. Amen. Mm-hmm. Nothing has the same value. Nothing. Doesn't have the same value. See the good, bad, hot, cold. Hot and cold is two different values. So wisdom gives us the ability to discern the difference in whatever. Y'all following me? Hallelujah. When you don't have wisdom, you can't discern good, bad, what's for you, what ain't. You can't discern differences. You may have some discernment, but you don't have that discernment to, to, to uh, discern differences. Know the difference between two things. See, in other words, sometimes you may think something is okay and it's far from okay. Because wisdom gives you that. Principal thing. 
That's why we need it. Because, see, everything, some things ain't, ain't bad, but not expedient, like Paul said. In other words, it may be okay for you to do certain things. It ain't okay for me. It ain't okay, but it ain't wrong. It ain't wrong, I put it like this, it ain't wrong, wrong to eat steak, but some people can't digest that stuff. She sleep. <laughs> I was looking over there that way. No steak. I'm messing with her. But I can eat all the steak I want. How about that, Jackie? <laughs> you can't have none. Y'all follow what I'm saying? It may be okay for me. Okay, I'll switch it around. It's okay. It ain't okay for me. It's okay for her. How about that? It's a personal joke. But the, dip, the wisdom to discern. Wisdom gives you discernment from what's okay and what ain't okay. Sometimes if you don't have wisdom, that don't mean you ain't smart. That don't mean you ain't, you know, see, the devil's there to fool us at every step we turn. Wisdom, if you lack wisdom, don't mean you dumb. When you lack wisdom, that means you lack discernment to know differences. It don't mean you don't understand things. But you lack discernment to know differences. That's what it is. Amen. Amen. That's good preaching. Hallelujah. Amen. Good preaching. Amen. I have to say so myself. (laughs) It don't come easy. Maybe for some people it do. For me it don't. Amen. It don't. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. Hallelujah. First Corinthians ten. Verse thirty one. One Corinthians ten thirty one. And it says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whether you do do all to the glory of God. See, whatever you do, whether you eat steak or eat cereal or you know, you don't, I don't eat meat byproducts, whatever you eat. Do it to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. So in other words, ultimately, we're all in this for the same reason. Amen. The kingdom. Kingdom purpose. Hallelujah. Praise God. But the profit of many. In other words, you got to kick out selfishness. you got to go for, still, that goes right back to the plan and purpose of God. Salvation plan. Plan and purpose of God. It's all in the same thing. Joshua had wisdom to discern the difference between a political leader and a prophetic leader. Did you know there's such a thing? Amen. So the political leader was who? Moses. The prophetic leader was Joshua. Amen. Hallelujah. Moses was concerned about the opinion of the people. He was moved by what people wanted. 
He was moved by what people thought. A prophetic leader like Joshua is concerned about what God said and what he promised. The people wanted a political system. This is why those people didn't come out of the desert. They died seeing it but not entering in. It's because they wanted a political system. They did not want the prophetic. It's like this. When prophets lead a group of people, number one, you ain't going nowhere in churches. They don't have prophets. They got these house prophets that stand up when the pastor say, thus say after the Lord, that that's not a prophet. Prophets give direction. Prophets give, share secrets that only God reveals. He reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Okay? stick. We just stick with the word. And so, so so prophets sound alarms they're sirens and they sound alarms prophetic alarms it's what they do you ain't going nowhere without one you can't amen a church can only go so far without a prophet i ain't talking about a house prophet i'm talking about the prophetic the prophetic voice Amen. That gives you direction. That tells you what your purpose is. That tells you where you are in the kingdom and what purpose, like Habakkuk 2. I will write the vision down and make it plain for the soul to hear that really can run with it. A prophetic voice, y'all hear. And so Joshua was a a prophetic voice in the earth because he got the people where they were supposed to go because he didn't listen to all their whining. Amen. So we all fall in the ditch. There's always going to be disgruntled people. You know why? Lack of wisdom. Don't know how to discern differences. Amen. Joshua was a prophetic leader because he knew how to discern. He had wisdom. Those are the people God used. Amen. So he was able to have that prophetic ear to hear. So he knew how to get the people from point A to the promised land. Moses was a daddy figure. He parted the Red Sea. Don't get me wrong. He was wonderful. But if you look back and read back on everything he did, he did things his way. But he get you know God anointed it. He he took the stick and hit the rock. He wasn't supposed to do none of that. He always went over and beyond what God's instructions were because his wisdom to discern wasn't rap type. So he did things according to his own will and strength. Thank you. Instead of understanding seasons and times and where he was supposed to be, what he was supposed to do. And that's why he got the people to the promise. They were up on the mountain. He said, there it is right there, the land of milk and honey that y'all thought didn't exist. And then God said, eh, guess what? Y'all don't enter in. Because they stayed in the flesh too much and they didn't pay attention, nor did they obey God. They did things their way, so they couldn't enter in, but he and Caleb entered in because they were prophetic voices in the earth. Prophetic voices always enter in to the promised land. Do I have any prophetic voices in here? (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. So don't be a political leader like Moses and be concerned about opinions. 
See, opinions don't matter. It's wisdom. Wisdom to understand how to discern differences. That's what matters. Amen. Are y'all here? Y'all got me sweating. Amen. (laughs) So God wanted the prophets to lead the people. Moses led the people out of Egypt. Amen. Dreaming of an inheritance and never got it. Dreaming of it. He led the people out of Egypt. They left Egypt, left Pharaoh, and he led them. He was a good leader, but they never received the promise. And they kept looking for it and talking about it, the promised land. And all of those stops along that 11-day trip took 40 years because of murmuring and complaining. And he didn't just tell them, shut up or get lost. And listen to the prophetic voice that has wisdom to discern differences. Are y'all here? Amen. And so he didn't do that. Joshua came in and said, I'm not going there. When God gave him that prophecy in Joshua 1.8, I don't have time to read it. And when it said, and so as it was with Moses, so is it with you. I'm with you just like I was with him. But we're going to do it a different way. Amen. Because you are a prophetic voice that has a prophetic ear. And you won't take them all through that. You don't have to open the Red Sea. But there are enemies that you have to fight, and I will conquer them for you. But you stay on the road. Stay on the, on the gospel ship. Whatever. Hallelujah. So two people entered in because they stuck with God's will. See, God was not trying to build, and this is for today, quality quantity of people see religion builds quantity prophetic the prophetic voice builds quality and so god is trying to build quality people because moses my servant is dead remember that amen so in other words his way of doing things died out with him so behold i do a new thing and so God is raising up Joshua's in this hour. They've been in hiding, but they're coming out. Amen. You have to have the wisdom to know differences. You have to know who the true prophetic voice is. And some that's out there faking it. You got to know. Amen. And so God is building. See, you, you know the prophetic voice because prophetic voices build quality men it build men that could stand on the forefront just a few of them Gideon's 300 like that and and lap like a dog in a certain way and get the job done amen and so Gideon was a prophetic voice because he built men he built an army of men he wasn't in numbers Amen. God he, God's not in numbers. I'm telling you. He's in power. He's in authority. The prophetic people like Joshua and Caleb, they were giants. And that's what God is building. It's quality, not quantity. Religion builds quantity. 
They build, build it. You know, they build choirs. They build everything that's going to appease your flesh to keep you coming, to tap the baskets, to build it bigger, to buy the fine furniture. This is what religion builds. But the prophetic voice speaks into you, speaks into you, speaks into you. It's like when you hear something prophetic, you know it because it does something. See, that's what God is building. Amen. All right, why don't we stop? Because I'm tired. (laughs) I'm tired. (laughs) Thank you, Father. We just bless you, Lord.